meaningful conversations about spiritual matters that are going to challenge us to become, um, to draw closer to God. And so we believe that these conversations that happen, they, they should be happening across the dinner table with our kids, with our family. They should be happening at a coffee shop with friends. There, there should be spiritual conversations that take place. Uh, maybe it's even at the YMCA while you're getting a workout in. Uh, whatever the case, we can talk about Jesus in, in the middle of our everyday life. And, and so this is what this is all about. It's about being intentional disciples who are looking for Jesus to continue changing the things that we care about. And so in these live talks on Sunday mornings, we're simply bringing you into this kind of a conversation. We're modeling these spiritual conversations for you. And it's my pleasure again uh, to have alongside me my friend, my co-laborer with Christ, our assistant pastor here at New Life Apostolic Church, Josh Bakangi. Uh, so glad to have you here uh, with us this morning. And um, we are extending a conversation that uh, was uh, disrupted last week, although I'm so glad it was because what a great Sunday we had last week with our uh, with Sister Lori Wagner and Sister Karen McCoy were in here, and we just had a fantastic service that I was uh, participating in from my bed because I was sick, and I'm so glad that uh, I'm feeling better today. But we had been having a conversation on being transformed by the gospel. And the gospel, it's, it's one of those biblical terms that uh, is introduced to us early in our Christian walk, You've been a Christian for five seconds. You've probably heard that word, the gospel. And that word, you may not know this if you're new, uh, new in your walk with Christ, but that word gospel simply means good news. The gospel is the good news. And uh, it could be defined further. Uh, the Apostle Paul, I believe, does a great job of defining this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 when he says that the gospel is the death of Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day. That is the gospel. That is the gospel message, the good news that we have for us today. And so here we are on Easter Sunday. We're continuing this discussion on how the death, the burial, and the resurrection transforms us. And today we're going to narrow our focus a little bit. Uh, I think we have one more slide here that's uh, talks about because he lives. And that's why we're here today. Because he lives. He's not in that grave any longer. He's not up on the cross anymore. He lives. And I have been transformed. And uh, because he rose up out of that grave, I've been changed. Because, he, because of this resurrection Sunday that we have today, I have hope for tomorrow. I've been transformed. And... Uh, I guess before I forget to mention it, uh, I also uh, better mention that you can join this conversation today. If you have a smartphone, uh, tablet, some, something that you can scan this QR code up here, it'll bring you to a website called Slido that uh, you can ask questions or you can contribute to the conversation that we're having up here if you would like to. Uh, I wanna, want you to know that you can join in. One of the things uh, this gives us a neat opportunity for is you can ask questions in the next week. We can get to those. But also, if we're going over this and you have, like, a story to share or a testimony about something that 
God has transformed in your life, this is an amazing way for you to share those with us so we can kind of incorporate those in the conversation as well. That's great thoughts. Well, I want to I jump into this conversation uh, really here today and just talk about this Resurrection Sunday. And uh, this day is that celebration of the third day when Jesus rose from the grave. And, and what, what was really accomplished on that day? What, what was finalized when Jesus came up out of that grave? Uh, I, I see scripture that points to several things. Uh, and, and this list that we're going to, uh, to talk through today is by no means exhaustive. Uh, but well, I want to just point to uh, some things as we begin our discussion here this morning that we see in Scripture that had he not died on the cross and had he not gone into that grave and three days later rose up out of that grave, had that stone rolled away, had that not taken place, then we would not be able to experience these things. And the first, and the first one is we, we see in First Peter chapter 2. And 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 24, it says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to our sins should live unto righteousness, but whose stripes, or by whose stripes, you were healed. It was because he was beaten, it's because of the stripes, because of his death, that we have the opportunity today to be healed. And uh, I don't know about you, Josh, if you have, uh, if you've ever experienced that healing for yourself. Um, I know for, for me, uh, I'm, I'm thankful that I have not, uh, to this point, had any, any deathly sickness myself. But uh, I can go back to a time when my oldest son was just a baby, when Asher was uh, just a, um, I don't remember exactly, how old was he? He was 18 months old. And uh, we were uh, in our house, and he had been sick, had a fever, and uh, us being first-time parents, you know, we were doing our very best to, to care for him, but then all of a sudden he went limp, and we just began to call on the name of Jesus. He was, he stopped breathing, we jumped into the car, um, it was faster for us, we thought just to, to get to the hospital, and so we just got in the car, car. my wife was giving him CPR in the back. Uh, but, but more than that, we were just calling on the name of Jesus. I'm driving across town. I'm just speaking the name of Jesus over him and calling on this, script, this scripture that by your stripes we are healed. And uh, thank God that, um, you know, he, he was having a febrile seizure. He was, uh, he was turning blue in that car. Uh, they ended up doing a spinal tap, all kinds of th things, checking him out. But Jesus stepped in in that moment Amen. and healed my son. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. I'm so thankful that we can call on his name. Amen. I don't know, Josh, I don't want to take up all the time talking. No, but. you're fine. Uh, I, those, those stories we love, and those are the scriptures we cling to, right? But especially when we're going through things and we know that the doctors don't have the answer, but it's by his stripes that we're healed, and we're able to use that scripture and to, and to pray those scriptures. But we were talking a little bit about this this week, and what I love is, is that we think of that as, you know, being dead to sins, we live to righteousness. By his stripes, we're healed. And we think it's a physical healing that God did that for us. But what he was doing is it was a spiritual healing that he gave us too, right? He says it's by his stripes that we're healed. We're healed from this flesh, right? 
He's given us authority over our mind, given us authority over sin, and we can take these things into a new dimension. And it's it, it's amazing with, with, with this scripture. It's not just a physical healing, but he did so much more that day. Amen. That's spiritual healing. And, and in fact, I, I think back to a uh, conversation that we were having with, uh, actually, you, you reminded me of this conversation that we were having with a missionary who was here about a year ago who was working in a predominantly Muslim nation. And uh, he was talking about all these miracles that were happening and, and just incredible, incredible things that they would go in. And uh, perhaps if you were here, you remember some of these, these testimonies of healing. Uh, that myself, I have not seen something quite like what he was describing. Um, and he was saying that really, and, and I believe this wholeheartedly, that the reason that there's healing is not just so that people could experience a new uh, transformed life or so that their body could be better, but really it's for the revelation of who Jesus is. That's, that's the reason that there's healing. And that's the reason that Jesus in his ministry healed people was to point to him as their savior. That's the reason that Peter and, and John, when they, when they came to Gate Beautiful in Acts chapter 3, they, they said, you know, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. That, and, and this man who was lame there, laying at the, at the temple gate, he rose up and he walked. He was healed. But it was not just for him to, ex- to receive healing. It was so that he could experience the transformation of what Jesus could do in his life. We were talking on Good Friday. We had a special service where we were gathered together and we were taking communion together. And we were talking about healing. And my stepbrother Jim is in the hospital right now. And he's got infection in his body. There's a lot of things going on and we don't understand it. And it reminded me of a situation with Reuben a few years ago where he had the same thing infection was going on it was a dire situation and in that situation what happened was is myself my father and several of my family members we got to a new level with God because we were interceding on his behalf and it's tough to hear sometimes but I thought it was because of your illness that you needed a healing that my walk with God got stronger that my father I heard my father pray with authority that I've never heard in my entire life and it was because of a need that, that that door opened up. So sometimes when we, we see something where we need a healing, instead of just praying, God, heal my body, touch my body, God, whatever is causing this, Lord, minister it to it. Let this be used that, that you might be able to be glorified. That was the whole point of him taking the stripes was that he would go through that suffering so there would be hope for us. It's so good to uh, just look back on healing, but we, we better continue this conversation. We're just barely getting in. So we have this, this that comes from the cross, that had he not died and had he not bore those stripes, then we could not experience that healing today. Uh, but also, and this is first and foremost, and, and really the healing, as, as you said, could speak to spiritual healing, but that Jesus Christ, uh, he, he died for our salvation, and he rose again so that we might experience, um, that, so that we might have eternal life. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, it's speaking on this gospel message. It's speaking on this, uh, on, on Jesus dying on that cross and resurrecting. And it says, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? If Christ is not risen, look at this, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is vain and our faith is in vain. 
If he, if he hasn't raised from that dead, if he, if he did not resurrect, then everything that we believe, it's for naught. No, none of it really matters. He says, yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. He's saying, those of us who are bringing this message to you, we're false witnesses because we've testified that God raised up Christ. Whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ isn't raised, then your faith is in vain, and yet, and you are still in your sins. He said, if, if he wouldn't have raised up out of that grave, then we would still be in our sins, then we would still have no hope for salvation, we would still be clinging to, some, to, to something that, uh, that, that really can't save us, and, but he did rise from the dead. He's saying, he did rise from the dead, and so we do have hope. And I guess, let's continue on, verse 18. Uh, he says, then also, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. In this life only we have hope in Christ. We are of all, or if in this life only uh, we have hope in Christ, then we are of all men most miserable. If it's only about this life, then what a miserable life that is. It's about the fact that he came and he died and he did rise from the dead and now we have hope. We have hope for salvation. We have hope for eternal life with Him. There is something beyond this life here. And so that salvation message uh, for, for myself, when I'm, when I'm thinking of, of you know, what, what all He accomplished, there are so many things in Scripture that, that we can um, benefit from, right? There's so many things in Scripture that we can go to and... And, and they are so good for us. But let us never forget that the main thing that, that happens in all of Scripture yeah. is that He died and that He rose again. And that everything else hinges on that. Yeah. <laughs> that everything else, everything in the Old Testament was pointing towards that. Everything in the New Testament is pointing towards the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that He lives today and we have hope for salvation. Amen. But it doesn't end there, right? No. It, does, it doesn't end just with, just with the fact that we have a salvation experience. No, but he gives us that chance to have new life, right? If he just died and, and rose again, but that meant nothing to us, then why would we get excited? He gave us new opportunities, right? So Galatians uh, 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's because he was crucified that we can join him in that, 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 that hope eternal and have that, that new life. That's, that, that's what gets me excited, right, is, is when, when we sing those songs, we talk about the blood and, and the crucifixion. When I think about he loved me enough that he went through all of that just so that I could have hope, just so that I could have a future you can't help but not get emotional when you think about that, that new life. Amen. The fact that, that you were, you know, your, your mind was one way, or that, that your thoughts, um, you know, we, can, we can become so consumed with ourselves. Um, even still, at, at times, we can become consumed with ourselves and have a carnal mind. You know, we, we speak of a, of a carnal mind or a carnal nature, and it's a mind that's focused on me or it's a mi mind that's focused on on the things that are not um, that are not what God would would want for me, and yet when He died, He said, "I, I came 
so that you can have a new life in me. I came and I resurrected so that, so that you don't have to be bound by those same thoughts, Amen. so that you don't have to be bound by fear, so that you don't have to be, found, be bound by the same kind of uh, uh, things that, that, that uh, kept you uh, bound, you know, whether it was uh, alcohol or whether it was, it was some, some drugs or, or pornography or, or if it was relationship that you were bouncing from this to that to find, uh, to find purpose for yourself or to find meaning. Uh, it doesn't matter what you were bound by in the past. He says, I've come to set you free from Amen. that. I came to set you free and to give you a new life. And to give you peace and love and joy. And I came to give you hope. And I came, I came to give you a life that is in freedom, yes. not in bondage. You don't have to walk around in bondage anymore. <laughs> Josh, I, I know for you, I mean, you, you had a time in your life where, where, uh, where, where alcohol was, you know, everything you could do. You could spend your last dollar, and you did spend your last dollar. There were more, more times than I cared to admit that I would look at my bank account and say I could go get some nice food this week, or I could live off of peanut butter and buy a case of beer, and that's what I chose, right? And, and it was those times where I was miserable, and I was trying to solve all my problems myself. And when I came to God, he, he gave me that new mind, right? He, he, he said those thoughts, those desires, the things that you have, I can take them away, and I can give you a, a, a new mind. I can give you thoughts of peace and, and joy. I'll tell you what, man, when I came back to church and I got to to an altar and I prayed through, that was the first time I had felt joy in years. Yeah. It was the first time I could go to sleep and I, 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 could, I could lay my head to bed and, and say, it's okay, it's all right. Yeah. Some of you may not have been there, but, but there were days that I, I would lay my head to bed and I would literally pray, God, don't come back tonight. Just please don't come back tonight because I'm not ready. And I know I'm not, but, but when we ha have that encounter with God again and he, he changes our mindset, it's an amazing thing. Yeah, we go to Romans uh, chapter 8, and it talks about that, that change from death to life, that from a carnal mind to a spiritual mind. Uh, it says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded, it's death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And that's, I, I keep going back to that, that saying that I've, I've mentioned several times, is that Jesus, he didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. That's what he came to do. Those who are dead in their carnal mind, he came to make them alive with a new spiritual mind that is freed from all of that, that stuff that they used to uh, be bound by. Amen. We've got to continue this conversation. We, uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, we're actually just continuing where we left off um, uh, already where it was talking about salvation. But he continues here in verse 20. He says, Now is Christ risen from the dead, and he became the first fruits of them that slept. He became the first fruits of them that slept. And I know I have some other scriptures that are uh, connected to that, but let's just pause right there. Because what does that mean? He was the first fruits of them that slept. It means that he was the first one to rise from the dead. Yeah. He rose from the dead, but we have a day when we're going to rise from the dead as well. Right? Amen. There's a day when I'm either going to be resurrected off of this earth or I'm going to come up out of that grave and I'm going to meet him in the sky. There's a day, and he was the first one to do it. And had it not been for his resurrection and because the fact that he lives today, then we wouldn't have that same hope for ourselves to be resurrected. 
And the resurrection is such a powerful thing. We talked about uh, with the disciples is that it, everything changed at the resurrection. They went from being these, these guys that were scared and, and timid and full of fear but trying to do their best. And then the resurrection happened and something, it, it changes. And on Luke 24, 6, it said, you know, they go to the, the tomb and it says, he is not here for he is risen from the dead. Remember what we, he told you back in Galilee, the son of man must be betrayed in the hands of sinful man to be crucified, that he would, be, he would rise again on the third day. And they remembered that he said this. The disciples had spent time with Jesus. They, they thought they understood things, but they never understood it, right? They had spent time studying the word. They spent time reading and, 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 and all these things. And what happened is in this situation where Jesus is, is died on the cross, they allowed their circumstance to over, overshadow everything and cloud their mind. They didn't look at it and say, God told us that this was going to happen. Jesus already told us this, this was going to happen. They looked at their circumstance and they, they got scared by it. And when Jesus comes back and he raises from the dead, I love what he does is he goes back and he points to scriptures to him, right? He shows him, hey, listen, I had a plan for this. I told you this was coming. I told you what I was going to do. I told you how this was going to be a benefit to you. And you go to a little bit further in Luke 24, verse 44, and it says that, then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything that was written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms, it must be fulfilled. He says, everything that I, 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 I was setting the stage for something big to happen. And you were so focused on the miracles. You were so focused on the good things that you weren't focusing on the things that I told you that were truly important. And uh, it, it keeps on going. It says, then, there, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die, but he would raise from the dead on the third day. For it is written that, the, that we would be proclaimed in the authority of the name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem, that there is forgiveness of sins of those who repent. And you are witnesses to all these things. And now I will send my Holy Spirit just as the Father promised. Their encounter changed when Jesus came back and they realized that this, these weren't just words, right? This wasn't just something that he, he told us about, but these promises that he had, they were true. It didn't matter how much scripture they read until they spent that time with Jesus and they saw him fulfill something and something clicked in their minds. And they said, well, if that was true, then everything else he said was true. It gave them the authority and the boldness that they needed to go on and preach. I think that that is like such a powerful thing that that we can see through the lives of the disciples. Um, you look at them, and they'd spent three and a half years with Jesus, and I mean they were disciples. They, Jesus had sent them out. They they had gone. They healed people. Um, they had performed miracles. They'd seen Jesus do all of this. Um, but yet when it came to the time of, of the cross, where were they? They were nowhere to, to be found. You have Peter over here denying Jesus. You have Judas was the one who sold him out. You have uh, all the disciples. The only ones that were there at the cross were the, uh, were the women uh, who were there, just, just very few of them that were, that were there at the cross. And, and you see them in fear. And this is, this is who they were. And, and even before the cross, you know, the moment of the cross, we still see the moments of doubt and the fear that, that captures them. But when they see Jesus, when they see Jesus resurrected, all of a sudden, everything that they had hoped was true 
was solidified for them. It said, it is actually true. It's undeniable that it's true because I've touched him with my hands now. I see the nail prints in his hands. I see this. I see where the spear pierced him in his side. I see it. I, it is undeniable. And you can see from that moment that their life changed so drastically. It changed so drastically that they went from people who are hiding and fearful to people that were all of a sudden preaching the name yeah. of Jesus Amen. at every turn that they could. It didn't matter what danger faced them. It didn't matter who was persecuting them. It didn't matter who was going to throw them in jail or stone them. It didn't matter. And every single one of them, every one of them, except for John. And, and John, uh, they tried to kill him, and they couldn't kill him. But every one of the disciples ended up being put to death because of the message of Jesus Christ. How could that happen except that they had a moment, an encounter with a resurrected Jesus that solidified their faith in the scripture solidified their faith in what, what all Jesus had, had spoken to them. That encounter changed them. It was not Jesus my friend, Jesus my mentor, but now Jesus, he's my savior, right? He conquered death. He, he, he rose from the grave, so there's nothing that I can't do. And when we get that in our mind, when we realize that the God isn't just someone that loves us, he's not just our friend, but he's our savior. He's our deliverer. He can, he can take power and authority over anything in our lives. That's when, when our lives are changed. It's that encounter. So I want to, uh, you know, for us, for us today, we, uh, when we come to Christ, we already understand him as a resurrected Christ. We already understand, you know, that, that he has already conquered death, hell, and the grave. And we come to him knowing that. And I'm thankful for that, that gospel message uh, that, could be, you know, th- that, that could be still relevant, or it is still relevant for us today. But... From us still, we can have a resurrection moment just like the disciples had. The disciples had that resurrection moment where they saw a resurrected Jesus and it completely transformed their lives. For me, it's not seeing Jesus resurrected in a physical form from that grave. But I still have had moment, moments for myself where I, it solidified my faith. Um, and, and, and rather than me sharing all of mine, I want to invite some others uh, up here, and I've, uh, I've asked a couple of people to come up and to share those moments for them for themselves of w- uh, when their faith was solidified, that resurrection moment for themselves. And so, uh, if we can have Hector Martinez is going to come up, I'm going to invite him up here, and he's going to just tell us a little bit about his resurrection moment. Thank you, Hector. This is um, this is my brother-in-law, and I'm so glad that he's part of our church. But, uh, Amen. You uh, are, are here today, and uh, you have had an incredible um, an incredible testimony for yourself of of coming to Christ and and for Christ becoming real for yourself. And so, um, I didn't give him a whole lot of preparation uh, for this. I asked him last night, late last night, if he could come. But uh, I see that you have uh, something prepped for us today. So could you just tell us a little bit about your transformation moment or your um, your moment where Jesus became alive for you? Okay, okay. So um, can be a little shaky, but it's okay. It's got to be done. Um, so a few years ago, um, I got into sales. 
when you're in sales, you got to talk to people face to face. And you have to tell them the truth about a product. And being in church for so many years, you kind of learn this truth, but you've never really, you've never really applied it, so to speak. You've applied it to yourself, but never really out into the public. And uh, something like this could be pretty intimidating to try to sell um, to another person to just to share with. Um, but as I found myself in my new, in, in my career that I'm doing right now, I find myself in front of people on the daily. And uh, last year, I think for Christmas, uh, my wife bought me a, like a little poster. And it had a scripture on it, and it was Jeremiah 29, 11. And it said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and future. And so those are kind of always in the back of my head. So when I'm in these moments with these people, I found myself here. I'm trying to sell this product. But God would change that situation to where it wasn't about the need that I had, because obviously I have to sell this to provide for my family. I'm on a 100 percent commission based uh, sales. So either I sell or I don't eat. It's kind of how I look at it. But. As I'm praying in these situations, I said, God, I really need to sell this. I need you to help me. I need you to help me. This situation would arise where the need wasn't so much for me, but for this person, they would be in a very vulnerable place because we're talking big numbers sometimes. And it would, the conversation would change from the sale to what are you going through? And it was, it was just, it wasn't just the first time, but many times after that, I'd find myself in these areas where not only were they vulnerable, but now I had to be vulnerable because I felt that God was speaking a word for me to share it with them. So all this time, I mean, I've been in this church for several years, and I've just kind of always had to try to apply this word for me, for my family, to try to get through and get through our lives. I mean, we've had a rocky life up and down. Um, but now I've been kind of being prepared unbeknownst to me, that there are people that I can actually minister to with, with what little that I know. You know, I'm not a qualified, I'm not a theologian, I'm not a huge, um, you don't need a degree, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, it's about where your heart is and what you've got in you. So, I found myself many times, you know, sharing, you know, tears in my, in, in working, we're both, you know, dropping tears left and right, because the presence of God is in these places, you know, just doing simple kitchen talk, you know, just table talk over a product that we're not even concerned about that. And it was like I'd come home time after time and I'd talk to my wife. And I'd be like, you know what? You're not going to believe what happened today, you know. And those are the moments that kind of like spark uh, a need. There's a need for, for a loyalty to God because he's been loyal to us. But there's a need to just get out of your element because when you become vulnerable, that's when God will just take that and honor it and just blow, blow it away and just do something with that. And it's, it's me being vulnerable that has allowed God to be able to do this. You know, if I were to still continue to be shy and just reserved, I don't feel that I would have been able to really minister to these people like I have. And just to let 
let God just do whatever he wants in those areas and bless somebody. Yeah, I know for, for you, it, it took that, um, like you said, being uh, transparent or being uh, vulnerable, even with Christ and saying, God, you, there's some places in me, there's some places in me that need to be changed. Mm-hmm. And, and as you would allow those, those areas to be changed, uh, as you're saying, God would open up opportunities for you to share with somebody else and to be able to minister to their needs. And, uh, and for you, you've had um, so many opportunities to, to help somebody else, but it's through, it's through what God's done for you, right? And, and to know that God is like ordering your steps and setting you up for these conversations, setting you up for opportunities to share what he's done in your life, it's, it's, it's awesome, it's incredible. It's funny how like in the apostles were, you know, you guys were talking about how they were afraid of, to get out, you know, Jesus isn't right next to me anymore. Now we're on our own. What do we do? But He's been preparing them for all this time, and it's it wasn't a time to just hold back. But He has prepared them, and it was like something in their psyche that said, "You know what? Whatever it was, it, it, it's like we can't hold on to this. This is golden, and we've got to share it. And I would be selfish to hold back what I know, because." I'm, there's somebody waiting for me to share that word for them. And if I hold that back, then I just did them wrong. And then who knows how it would end. I love the examples that you're giving because you're, you're talking about how God transformed your life where it's not just about my salvation, my, my household salvation, but he's, he's allowing God to make you a disciple and to seek out those that are in need. And that's, that's a huge transformation, man. That's, some, that's a hurdle that a lot of us can't get over sometimes, but you're, you're making yourself vulnerable and putting yourself out there and you're touching lives. Yeah, for you, he solidified your faith by getting you out into the field. And that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I know we could, we could keep going forever. We keep going forever. But I want to get a couple more up here. Uh, and so uh, thank you so much for, uh, for sharing what, what Jesus did for you. I'm going to next ask uh, Amber Bricker if she can come up. And she's going to share uh, a moment for her when God became very real. Yeah, you just want to jump over this way. These, this resurrection moment, just like the disciples, they saw a resurrected Jesus and he became real for them. Uh, when did Jesus become real for you or, um, or how, did, how did he solidify your faith in him? So I've always known that Jesus was real. I've had the honor of being raised in this and from a very young age, sitting on a church pew and seeing God work. I've seen miracles. I've seen things take place. I've had teaching. And so growing up in the church, I, I didn't ever doubt that he wasn't real. I knew it. Um, but my life was a lot of this. It was a lot of high. It was a lot of low. Either I was doing really good for Jesus or I was running as hard as I could the other direction. And so that, um, that direction, um, I found myself married and running and um, pregnant with our first child. And there was a moment, and it wasn't a big moment. I found with Jesus, sometimes it isn't the big things. It's not in the profound, but it was just in a service that I was in because my dad had asked me to come, and I was sitting on a pew, and I was pregnant with my oldest daughter, and I remember just this this moment where you just know that this is going to change my life, and I felt God pull me. He's patient, so he never never forces anything, but there was such a draw that I just felt him drawing me. 
And in my mind, I had seen, I looked back over my past, and I saw all the highs and all the lows. And all I could see is all my failures and all the times I didn't do it right. And, and you know, I had all this that it was me, you know. I made the right decisions. I was good or I was bad. And in that moment, it was just one step. It was just one one action, one step. And I don't even remember if it was a physical step I took or if it was just a, something in my heart that just took a step. And I said, okay, God, I'm all in. I don't know what that means, but I'm all in. And it was that day, and I have known Jesus my whole life, but it was that day that I met the God of grace. See, there's so many aspects of God that you think you know God. I knew the power of God. I knew, I knew who he was. I knew all the Bible stories, but I had never seen the side of grace. And so the grace of God, it was no longer about what I was able to do in my own power and because of who I was, it was because of my choices or my bad choices. And I've made plenty of bad mistakes. I've made plenty of, of errors along the way since then. But my walk went from this to this. It keeps you. And, and that forever changed my life. And as I was praying this morning, I even thought I was raised in this. My grandparents, everybody has a walk with God. I've got a praying mama. But it was that point in my life that I think changed things for my kids. I don't know that my kids would be the same. The child that I was carrying that day, I don't know, would be the same. And in, in that moment, because I introduced what I thought knew Jesus the whole time, I found the God of grace, and that forever changed my life. Wow, that's beautiful. That's incredible. That moment that we can have. Thank you for sharing. I have one more. One more individual that's going to come up, Bill Miller. I've asked him to come and to share for himself what uh, a moment, what that moment was when God became real, and um, he had that resurrection moment for himself. Kind of like Hector, I'm really nervous when I get up here. So uh, anybody that knows me knows I have a lot to say, especially when I'm really passionate about what I believe in. And this is one of those things. So when the pastor asked me this last night, I get really nervous and I'm trying to ask God for the right words to say. But I think of this as um, just like a gardener, because when we have plants, we're growing them. It's our, it's our job to grow those plants from the seed all the way through to the harvest. God does that for us. The Bible states he knew us from the womb. It's just like a seed. He plants it in the ground. Sometimes it's dark, right? Sometimes it's painful. Growth is painful. But when he plants us, we grow. He sends the storms, the tribulations in our life is the storm, is that's how I look at that. But every storm that a plant weathers makes it stronger because it bends, it moves, and it becomes strong. And then as we go along, we go along through our lives, we have to prune that plant. We cut leaves off so the fruit gets better. God does that in our lives with people. Sometimes people become bad for us, and 
have to be pruned out of our lives, right? Sometimes there's situations that we have that have to be pruned out of our lives. And if you've ever had a garden, you understand that every season, the dry season, the wet season, different kind of weeds come up in your life, right? God picks those weeds out at a certain time because you're ready for that weed to be gone. That situation, I guess, is is what you want to say. And at the end of that is when the fruit is the best, and that fruit then sustains life for somebody else. And that's what he calls us to do. The fruit that we produce sustains someone else through their life. So when we think about transformational moments, one of the early ones on for me, I mean, there's been many. We've been here 28 years now, I think, in this church. Um, It started way back in the other sanctuary. But when my wife and I were first married, we had made a stand to pay our tithes, okay? We knew, we knew to pay our tithes was the right thing to do, without question. And it came down to the fact one week that we were either going to eat or we were going to pay our tithes. And we chose to pay our tithes. And we prayed and said, God, I don't know what we're going to do here, but I know that you have this. And this was what I consider to be our growth spurt, but we're talking about our transformational moments, right? That's a growth spurt for me. But we made that commitment, and we weren't going to back down from it. And we're sitting there at the table maybe two days after we made that commitment, and a knock goes on the door, and here's this sweet saint was at the grocery store, and she said, Brother Miller, God laid this on my heart to buy these groceries for you guys. And here they are. How good is our God that he knows us that personally? And for me, I think that was the first moment that it really became real. That he cares for us that much. That he knows us that well. Come on. Amen. Because we're talking this morning. Uh, thank you. You can see. We were talking this morning uh, with Miller. He was he was saying, I, and he said it here, I have so many of these. And we were going through a list of different things when God showed up and God became very real one time after another. And you can point to those moments. You can point to those resurrection moments. And I, I just want to encourage you today. That uh, you, you may not be Peter and, and John racing to the tomb and, and trying to beat one another to the tomb to see if the news is real, that, that, the, that the tomb is empty. And you look in and you see it's, it's gone. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden one day, uh, Jesus appears out of thin air and he's there with you. And on that moment, it's, <laughs> this is real. This is real. He really is risen. He re- What he told us is true. The scriptures that all pointed to this moment, they were actually true. Everything that I actually hoped was true is true because I see him here right in front of me. And Jesus, when he had his one disciple, uh, Thomas, who was there, and and Thomas, he said, I'm not going to believe this until I see Jesus, until I touch, until I touch his hands and I stick my finger 
inside those wounds, and I see that, that scar on his side. I'm not going to believe that it actually is him. And Jesus comes, and, and, and thank God that's, uh, that he would come, and, he's, and he, he meets Thomas where Thomas was at. He says, Thomas, I know what you need in order to believe. I know that you need to stick your fingers right here in my hands. And so look, here I am. He holds, holds uh, open his, his wound and looks, looks at his wound. He says, look right here, I, this, I am, I am Jesus. And then he says, Thomas, you believe because you've seen me. But blessed are those who they believe and they have seen not. Blessed are those who, who they didn't see the wounds that are in his hands, and they didn't see the, the wound in his side, but yet they still believe. But but I, I'm thankful today that, that it's not just about a book that I have to read in order to believe him. It's not just stories that have been passed down from generation to generation, but he is still making himself alive today. He is still making those resurrection moments for us today to be able to point to and say, God is real. He is real to me and it's because he lives it's because he lives that i have hope it's because he lives that i have the opportunity today to to say god i can press on to tomorrow god i can go another day god i have hope for a future amen we're going to close this service out here this this is uh, first service this morning um just with a song that I'm sure many of you are familiar with, Because He Lives. If you want to just stand and just join us as we sing this song, amen, God is good. It's because He lives. It's because He lives that we have hope. It's because He lives. Oh.